I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am continually getting snowed in in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, I hope I remember to leave all our audio in this time. It's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Thanks. I also hope so. I have important things to say, Jordan. You can't silence all the women. (laughs) I'm not out here trying to silence women. I knew that was coming. Um, Jordan asks a question, and then there's just dead air for 45 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. That's, that's how it feels sometimes, Jordan. Uh, listen, it's episode 308 of the Geek Down Podcast, and I promise we'll figure it out someday. If you want to listen to any of our other 307 episodes, you can take yourself wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a little rate review. Follow, subscribe. Give us the thumbs up. Listen, just give us the thumbs up. Five stars. Five stars. Cost you nothing. To give us five stars. Yeah. It means the world to us means nothing to you. So just do it. Or, or just, I've been doing this well. I've been doing it because I have been in that weird place where I'm trying to like extricate myself from YouTube, but YouTube shorts are so convenient and mind numbing. Um, You're trying, hold on. Yeah. Stop everything. Yeah. I understand removing yourself from social media. Yeah. Like people, like, listen, so someone cute on an Instagram break. Sometimes you just got to do it for your mental health. Yeah. I get it. But YouTube? Well, it's only because YouTube is like the black hole of media. Like I could just, I could sit and watch YouTube It, it really four is. hours. You just, wait. you just wait until we get into my YouTube update <laughs> So <laughs> later on. So but. I, I've been trying my best to make sure that what I am viewing, well, I'm helping out the algorithm. I'm giving them a leg up and and downvoting or, or putting a thumbs down on things mm, only takes I a second see. and it helps me not get so many Joe Rogan videos. I don't want to see oh, them. No. Why are they? It's because they're, it's because they're like Joe Rogan's popular, even though I have downvoted every single Joe Rogan video. And I like, sometimes the stuff he's talking about is fine. I just don't want to see it in my feed. It's, it's not even, it's like really innocuous stuff. It's like the guy who, who claims that, Egypt was built by aliens or is more ancient than it, it you know, uh, people say it is, right? The crazy guy. Um, I'm like, I, that's fine. Whatever. It's stupid. It's fine. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Um, so, yeah. So, that's why I'm trying to ex- extricate myself from YouTube. It's just it's a black hole. Yes. You fucks with elk, though? What's elk though? Elk though. What? What? Like the meat, like the animal. Oh, to eat. oh. Uh, I've tried venison. <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's all Joe Rogan talks about. It's fucking elk. Is elk, elk meat. Uh, see, I didn't even know that. See, the fastest body part growth known to man is elk antlers. Friends, thank you for permitting that digression. Uh, if you would like to give us a, a rate review, follow, subscribe, you will have so much more time to hunt elk. And these episodes are going to be brought directly to your device, sprinkled from the back of a rainbow mane alicorn named Philip by someone who truly believes meat is murder, and that's your man's. Chauncey Fastilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elk. 
Do we know much about the dietary habits of elves? Um, High fantasy lover? It depends on the elf and it depends on the fantasy. Um, Some elves are, they live in the woods and they believe in the circle of life. And they're like, "Eh, you know, everything has its place. So they'll, they'll eat stuff, but they're careful with the environment. Some are high elves, and I'm guessing they just drink, like, rhubarb soup and are very <laughs> dainty and lithe and, and <laughs> just breathe air for nutrition. And there are some that I'm I'm guessing some, like, some of the wood elves are vegetarian, some sea elves eat fish, you know, just depending on where you are. But, yeah, it totally depends on the elf and the uh, environment. I'm surprised Chauncey doesn't eat meat, seeing he is from a more northern climate. Um, mm. but I think maybe that was just a life choice for him, particularly. I mean, every elf can make their own choice, right? He really can. Friends, that was so much more in-depth than I ever could have possibly in- expected. Wow. <laughs> but she's, she's a woman of many gifts, y'all. <laughs> One of them is Blather. <laughs> <laughs> hey, friends, you fucks with elk? Let us know over at twitter.com slash geektownpod. Prime, prime space to discuss your elk eating habits. Also, if you want to ask Jordan why he said hi, everyone, like that at the beginning of the podcast, it's also something you can ask him at Twitter. Or if you want more of Caitlin's bullshit, she'd be happy to provide. <laughs> I hope you're paying attention, people on Twitter. Tweets is watching. I got my eyes on you. <sighs> they don't say that anymore. They were saying that in like 2014. I'm hip. I swear to God. Friends, if you don't support this endeavor financially... So I get a subscription to Urban Dictionary Premium. Get all the hot slang before before it's played out by the kids. ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Every dollar donated to this endeavor uh, is put to a use. Maybe not always a good one, but a use. I think it's always good. Snacks, y'all. I was going to say, it's usually nutritional in some regard. Nutritional? I mean, it can be empty calories, but it's still calories, (laughs) right? It can be. Kate? Yes. How was your week? It's fine. It's, it's, I have talked about this probably every single year we've done the podcast. I get the seasonal depression real bad. Listen, though, and I'm not trying, that's not, I'm not jumping into like undermine your seasonal depression. I can just, all I'm saying is I can only imagine how much worse it must be this year because can we get a fucking sliver of sunlight? Yeah. I mean... For the last two fucking weeks? West Coast? Explain yourself. <laughs> People are like leaving for... I'm going to go live on the West Coast. I can't wait to be on Vancouver. You do this shit all the time. Yeah. Every year. Mm-hmm. But they also... You get like an afternoon of sunshine every year. Um, well, no. I was going to say, I found... I mean, yes, I haven't been in Vancouver every month of every year. So I don't, or, or even on the West coast in general. So I don't know for sure, but the times I've been there, even though it's been rainy, it, it seems to be in patches. I mean, I know there are some days where it just rains all day and it's cloudy all day. Yeah. And one of the times I was there, yes, Vancouver, literally like the surrounding area of Vancouver flooded and no one could get to and from Vancouver because um, there was so much rain. But I felt found that it would like rain in the morning and then you'd have like a couple hours of sunshine and then, you know, it would be cloudy in the afternoon or whatever. Um, but this, I mean, I talk about it every year, like Hamilton's taupe, Toronto's gray, and it is literally just weeks and weeks and weeks of this because it's not cold enough to disperse the cloud cover. Um, 
so it just it just hangs hangs around like a bad omen and like i can't even get excited about the fact that like okay so like I get done work. I get back into my neighborhood around two two thirty. I go to the gym. I get out of there around four thirty, maybe a little bit before five. But it's it's just before five by the time I'm walking up my stoop, and it's still light out. This should be a victory at this point. I should be delighted, yes. and I'm not. No, it, literally last week when I was leaving, I it was like five thirty, and it was still relatively light out, and I was like, yes, it's finally happen happening. But we've got all of February to go. And we've got all of March. And someone's like, oh, March isn't that bad. March? March is, is fucking terrible. terrible. It is wet and muddy and cold. And it feels at that point like spring will never arrive. And April is better. But it's like, really, you do not see a vast improvement until May. So we just got to like brace ourselves for the long haul. So this is Girl, why... I saw by next weekend, we're going to have lows at like negative 30. And I'm like... Yeah. I don't care how good the beaver pelting was <laughs> in the fucking 1600s. What were you doing, Frontenac? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Like... Uh... How did we end up here? And the other thing is that we complain a lot, of course, about the weather and the cloudiness and, you know, the miserable gray skies. The summers are great. <laughs> and I always forget how miserable the winters because the summers are so good. Oh, God. People live in Toronto for to, just to milk the most out of those, like, maybe four months. Yeah. May through. May um, You can get to, to about November. Peak is maybe May through, May through September. But. Yeah. That's about the best you can the best you can hope for, because y'all we are in. If you can't tell by our voices, we are in the thick of it <laughs> today. Uh, on top of all that, in my life, who's ready for? I guess you could call it. Haven't brought that one out in a while. It's it's the classic. I need a, I need a drop for the classic Jordan Hemha, or as someone cute was calling it, Bedgate twenty twenty three. To the point where my mother, friends, to catch you up uh, at Christmas. There was a pledge from my uh, from my parents to they wanted to get me. I said uh, you know, they asked me for things uh, what I wanted for Christmas. I was like ah, I could probably use a new TV, and sometimes I think I want to get a new bed, new mattress. Um, as established, as Kate always points out, being the only child, it's not or it's and. So the TV got taken care of uh, earlier this month. Delighted, by the way, Kate, you should know, I took my bookshelf speakers out from the bookshelves where the records are, put them on either side of the television because the television can run through the speakers. The TV viewing game, the Iron Chef game has gone. <laughs> I was going to say, what TV? Iron Chef? Which I'm so glad that still, you're still just milking that. See, Iron Chef for you is like my murder she wrote. Like, it's just. It really is. I'm hitting reruns now and I'm annoyed already. <laughs> it's like, really? I'm already hitting reruns? Um, so that's been taken care of. Delightful. Love it. Um, the bed, the bed is harder because it's like, okay, so someone cute got a new bed this year when, when she moved apartments and I'd be like checking out her bed and it's like, it's, it's comfy, but will it be comfy in six months? She's enjoyed it. Well, I still find it comfy. I don't know, Caitlin. Oh my God. Well, it's, it is a big decision, but it's. There, it's a big decision plus the Jordan factor, um, which means that I don't know if you will ever make a decision. Oh my god! To the point where my mother yesterday was like, was like, I feel like you don't 
actually want this. I was like, it's not that I don't want it. It is just becoming such a point of anxiety for me at this point. Why don't you frame it like this? It would be anything would be better than your current bed. <laughs> True. I have sat As on I, that to put my shoes on okay, and it's okay. like going to collapse under my weight. It's not going to collapse. I you don't get the spring in your back at this point that I'm getting. You remember you remember when when Jake and Amy on Brooklyn Nine Nine were going to get Jake a bed and it was like <laughs> the spring was like shooting up into Amy's lower back. That's that's the vibe we're rapidly approaching here. The pisser is wasn't even my bed. Was inherited from my then girlfriend when I moved to Toronto. I had a decent bed before I moved to Toronto, and then I moved out, and the bed stayed. Idiot. So there's one manufacturer, um, this is all like, I, the, the Casper bed in a box, uh, friends up, I will do this quickly, I swear to God. Um, the bed in a box industry in Canada and everywhere, I did not know it exploded this much. I thought there were like four oh, no. companies. No, there's like eight dozen. You, if you don't have a spreadsheet, um, you're, you're in trouble. Oh ma'am, I do have a spreadsheet. The real appeal to this one manufacturer, Silk and Snow, is that if you're in Toronto, they will do, I hate, I hate that it's called this, the white glove delivery, which is they will bring it up, they will bring it to where it needs to go, not just drop it at your door and say deuces, they will bring it where it needs to go, they will set it up, and they will remove the old. They take that old mattress, old box ring, and they say goodbye. Well, as someone who lives on the third floor, that sounds delightful. <laughs> I would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really like leaning into that. Like I was, I was eighty percent of the way there, Kate. Wow. Silk and Snow, big leader. Uh, Logan and Cove might be a little, might be a little firmer. But again, they're just going to dump it at the. How am I going? How would I get that up? You know, to the third floor by myself. It'd be great if you had more friends. Wow. <laughs> Damn, son. Oh, sorry. <sighs> be great if I had more friends who didn't live in Scarborough. Um, <laughs> it's the key point there. So I was really, really the silk and snow was like, and also the price was decent because you know they got the they gave the frame. The frame was pretty cheap. You get the whole thing done for about you know fifteen hundred bucks, I think. Plus they throw in three pillows. Cool, great. Eighty percent of the way there. What throws the wrinkle in today is someone cute alerts me to the fact that she you know is a uh, shopper of major Canadian retailer. Mm-hmm. And got an email announcing that Silk and Snow is carried at major Canadian retail. Oh. And I'm like, well, it's just going to be like sheets and stuff. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a thing. No, the mattress is there. And I would get the mattress for cheaper going this route, but they don't have the frame. Oh. So basically you'd be like, I could get the mattress for mad cheaper, but again, they're just going to dump it at my doorstep and I have to figure out how to get it up the stairs. It's ongoing forever, <laughs> is the point. Basically, folks... It's driving me nuts. If you hang out with us for the next couple of months, you will notice our moods improve, and Jordan is still hemming and hawing about this mattress. I'll just be doing it on a patio. I'll be having this discussion <laughs> with a cocktail and sunglasses on a patio. Yeah. It would make my life so much better. I should just... Uh, just do the thing that's going to bring it bring it up my stairs. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I, really, away. I'm like... As I got, as I have gotten older, and though I am not wealthy, I am much better off than I was. 
there are times where I will spend more money, which part of my, my poor brain is like, like having maybe a meltdown. But the other part of my brain is like, except I do not have like the six extra hours to do this thing that would cost cheaper. So Listen, I, I realized a long time ago that I keep the running idea in my head of like, if, you know, when, if when I leave this place, I'm not moving a thing out of here. No, <laughs> I will pack it up. I ain't carrying shit. Mm-mm. Get some college kids with strong backs <laughs> to do that shit. We are at that point. Yeah. So that's low key where I'm at with this too. It's like if you're, you're in your twenties some... and you're like, "Wow, they're being so sucky about this." When you get to thirty one, <laughs> come talk to me. I saw uh, <laughs> you Instagram. I saw an Instagram reel that was this comedian, and he's like, "Here's the difference between over forty and under forty as he steps onto a chair." He's like, "Everybody under forty did not think this was a risky move." <laughs> Everybody <laughs> over 40, everybody over 40 was like, is he, he, he going to hurt himself? <laughs> yes. Yes. I never understood my dad's, like, as he got older, like, his real, like, need for this, the, the um, like, railing on the stairs. That is exactly what it came to, ultimately. The, the guy gets down from the chair. He's like, you over 40? You know. He, he steps he bends over and puts his hand on a nearby stool. It's like hand down, foot down, <laughs> foot down, hold, release. Because honestly, one of the the scariest things to me, and it happened to me when I was a kid and I used to not, you know, you just the thump, the thump, the thump down the stairs, right? Is me slipping mm. on those stairs and having my back hit all those steps that to me is like i have nightmares about that that's what i have nightmares about that and taxes lest we forget it was a scant three months ago i was regaling the story of me falling out of my shower (laughs) that was funny though (laughs) so it comes for all of his friends that's the point if i gotta pay another 75 bucks for some strapping young, young lads to carry this shit up to my apartment as I then go, figure it out, partners. <laughs> this is a very small space. I'm going to sit up here on the kitchen counter and you figure out how to how to get this done. Anyway, uh, not much by way of news. Who cares? There's, there was one. Uh, there's no news. Do you have news? No, there's, there's no, no news. news. I just, I, I, Jordan, I need you to tell me about wrestling. <laughs> I was going to say wrestling to updates, but... Uh, I guess I do do it ahead of time. The, the one thing I wanted to mention, this is a very, very quick thing um, that made the, uh, the anime sites. The uh, Forbes had, apropos of nothing, just because, had a very, probably the longest I've ever seen in English, interview with uh, anime director Shinichiro Watanabe, basically just going over his like entire career. Uh, Watanabe, best known for Bebop, obviously, and uh, Samurai Champloo. Space Dandy, which is a show I may get back to someday. I should just make you watch it so we can have the discussion. I'd be curious to see what you think <laughs> of Space Dandy, but you never know. So the the poll quote here was the interviewer, the author of the piece, who was uh, Ollie Barter. You got Shinichiro Watanabe on the line. Uh, you're going to ask him about a bunch of stuff. Uh, fun fact: did not know. Edward from Bebop is basically based on Yoko Kano's personality. Amazing. Would you have ever seen Yoko in like 
interacting through the world. You'd be like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> How did I never know that? Uh, but of course, I mean, you got him on the line. You're going to ask him what he thought of the Netflix Bebop adaptation. And this was the pull quote that made the rounds because this is what he had to say. Quote, for the new Netflix live action adaptation, they sent me a video to review and check. It started with a scene in a casino, which made it very tough for me to continue. I stopped there, and so I only saw that opening scene. It was clearly not Cowboy Bebop, and I realized at that point that if I wasn't involved, it would not be Cowboy Bebop. I felt maybe I should have done this. Although the value of the original anime is somehow far higher now. Ooh. Shots fired! Shots fired! That is... I mean... I think that is a burn not necessarily meaning to be a burn, which is even Where better. is the lie, though? <laughs> the it's man, even, the man just better, said yeah. it. Yeah. So... I was very diplomatic about that show when it came out just because i love bebop so much i was just thinking about that i was like because no surprise to anyone because i'll see the title of this of of this episode this will come up in what we're talking about today Mm. i was like i feel like jordan's gonna be a lot more diplomatic than maybe i will (laughs) oh on today's yeah oh we'll get girl don't save it for the pod we'll get into it um so I just thought I just thought that was that was fun. All right, Kate wants to talk about wrestling. Friends, I was going to save this for updates, but well, we're we're sort of um, in updates now. I just really want I you'd send me some messages, and then <laughs> the only other person in my life who follows wrestling was literally talking to my husband about how all of this is going to end up on my podcast. He's like, it's going to be a wrestling podcast. <laughs> that is my soon-to-be brother-in-law, um, and. I, he's, he's the only other person I know besides Jordan who's interested in wrestling and talks to me about wrestling. So, Well, friends, fuck it. Let's go. Um, it is playoff season. I have mentioned this before. The stretch in the WWE calendar year from January, late January, through to early April is playoff season. That is the build to WrestleMania and the airing of WrestleMania, which is like the wrestling Super Bowl. All the storylines come to the head. If new titles, new champions are going to be crowned, etc., etc. Scores will be settled at WrestleMania. And the start of that is the Royal Rumble, which is a genius gimmick. Uh, is a 20, 20, sometimes 20, sometimes 30 man, depending. Mm. Um, man and woman. How far we've come. There is a men and women's Royal Rumble now. Nice. Um so 20 to 30 competitors, a new competitor enters every 90 seconds, I believe, and it's over the top rope. The women might not be over the top rope because some of them are petite, um, and that would be dangerous. Yeah, and as much as, as we're like, yeah, people get hurt in wrestling, yeah, we don't we don't want them to get really hurt. We don't want to sling four foot Zelina Vega over the uh, six foot top rope, right? Um, but... Every 90 seconds, a new competitor comes in to the point, and you're supposed to throw them out of the ring. And the last person standing in this version, they've had this type of match. They had them in Japan, I think. Um, but the stakes for the Royal Rumble are you get a title shot at WrestleMania. So in the Is it, men's match. Would you say it's kind of like a wild card? You like to think it is. I mean, it's pretty preordained well, uh, in some no, cases. We know that, but just in for as far as sports metaphors go, it's kind of like the wild card. Yeah the 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 the, the 
I guess the, the fantasy booking is like anybody could win. Anybody could have that shot. And so much plays into the Royal Rumble match because it's not about who wins necessarily. It's who has the good showing. Mm. Like there's um, so Cody, the returning Cody Rhodes, formerly of uh, former AEW vice president, Cody Rhodes, who recently made his return at last year's WrestleMania and then promptly tore his pectoral muscle. Ooh. And then still wrestled a match, Ooh. basically with the torn pec. Ooh. It was gnarly. Ooh. It was gnarly. He rehabbed it. He came back at this match, and he won. So now he's got a title shot at WrestleMania. Um, and Rhea Ripley um, won the women's, who she's been on a roll lately. She's with this. Uh, you will recall the Judgment Day. Remember when Edge fought that? Fought those dudes at the show yeah, we went to yeah. in the main event? That's the Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley is kind of the uh, the lady heater of that group, and she's you know really tall, really muscular, and likes to get into it with dudes, <laughs> likes to dare them to hit her type of right. thing. It's been bubbling with her for a while, but this whole run she's had with the Judgment Day means she's she's going to level up this year. Whether she wins a title or not, she's going to level up. What's important? Uh, Asuka back as in in the uh, killer clown makeup now, her full heel from Japan mode, which she was alluding to that she was going to do. It's great makeup, um, by the way. So the the return of if I don't start here, my Oscar is going to kill you. Chance from the crowd <laughs> again. That's what I need. Peak NXT Oscar was just the crowd going. Oscar's gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Oscar I want. Um, none of this matters. Let's talk about it. It's hysterical to, on one hand, be like. The problem with the WWE is that they never focus on long-term storytelling. They always, you know, they do things too fast. Nothing ever really gets a chance to build. Blah, blah, blah. When, meanwhile, the greatest wrestling angle I have maybe witnessed in my lifetime has been going on for three years. And that is the story of the Bloodline and Roman Reigns. Which is, even I think it's just, like, awesome and amazing. So, like, three years ago, pandemic time, the Thunderdome era, no crowds. Roman Reigns comes back at WrestleMania. He had been a guy who had the crowd kind of hated. They felt he was getting pushed down our throats because he was pretty and he was big and you clearly Vince liked him. The way he, he kind of presented himself in the ring was kind of like meh, kind of mid. The kids, I'm, I've told the kids don't say mid anymore, but like <laughs> pre-tribal chief Roman Reigns was very mid. Um, also, in Caitlin speak, that's womp womp. <laughs> So when Roman comes back, he had taken a break. He'd been away for a while. Roman comes back. He rechristens himself as the tribal chief, the head of the table. I've been carrying this place for so long. I'm done being nice. You know, you're going to acknowledge me. That was always his thing. Acknowledge me. Right. He got way more swagger, way more. He was became the pinnacle of what they always say the Stone Colds and the Rocks of the world are, which is just doing you turned up to 11. Right. You just really amplify it. The level of shit talk. Go look up a clip, uh, co any compilation of Roman Reigns shit talking in the ring to the camera. It's so good and so funny. <laughs> he wrestled Cena <laughs> on like a like a marquee match, SummerSlam match or something. And it's basically like normally rest holds where you put somebody in a headlock or something or for the wrestlers to catch their breath, right? Like it's they've been doing high spots for a while. They're worn out. They're a little gassed up. Put him in a chin lock. He's grinding him down. No, they're catching their breath. Like, that's the point of the rest holds. Yes. Um, 
Roman would take that opportunity to just look in the camera and go, Hollywood, I'm sorry. I'm going to hurt this man. (laughs) He's not going to be able to work. Your production's getting delayed. (laughs) So Roman comes back as the tribal chief and he starts clashing with members of his family. Caitlin didn't understand this once when I said that there's only like every Samoan wrestler is related to each other. It's 90% true. Um, It's also... It's not just related. It's also like a community thing, right? Yes. If they're not actually blood related, they all know each other and they all go back to the same sort of schools and dojos um, in Hawaii and, and, you know, Tonga and Samoa and places like that. Um, so Roman initially starts by clashing with his cousin, Jay Uso, who at one point he was in a tag team with his brother. His brother was hurt and he was out. Again, this is years ago. And so Jay and Roman start clashing because Jay's like, I can't acknowledge you. This ain't you like blah, blah, blah. So over the next like six months, not only is Jay getting his shot to kind of like tell a story as a singles guy and excelling at it. It's the story of Roman like beating to smithereens and gaslighting his cousin on some like, I'm doing this because I love you. You know, this is the only way we can dominate. You got to, I'm the only one who can do it. And we all got to, you all got to fall in line. Which so I think, I think you put it very succinctly. This is like basically Greek God <laughs> type of mythology making. When you see what happened last night, it's really, it's, it's like Greek myth shit. Like, so fast, hit the fast forward button really hard. Um, Jay falls in line. His brother falls in line, just kind of something like, we're sick of getting the shit beat out of us, so we're not really down with this, but Roman keeps winning, and if he's eating, we're eating, so, like, we'll just, we'll fall in line. And into this inserts young Sami Zayn, <laughs> a bearded redhead kid who just kind of, he's not a kid, he's a grown-ass man, but he just started inserting himself like the nerd who wants to sit at the cool kids table. Yeah, he has and he has you said kid because he has that kind of energy, right? Like that yes. youthful just wants to like hang out with the cool kids energy. And from so so now you have a Paul Heyman who's the greatest manager in the history of wrestling, Roman Reigns, uh the Usos, Jimmy and Jay, uh, another one of the cousins from NXT gets called up as this like mute enforcer named Solo Sokoa. Um, and that's the bloodline and Sammy always wants to be around. He just wants to help. He's like, come on, like, let me help. Let me do stuff for you. Like he's, he's just, and he's insufferable and he slowly starts to warm over Jimmy Uso, Jay's brother and Roman and Jay from jump is like, this is whack. What's this guy doing here? He ain't family. He ain't us. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and over months, we're talking the course of months, Sammy keeps helping them out kind of getting used by them, but he's happy to do it because he just wants to be included mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. And Jay will never, <laughs> we will recall the infamous clip from a few months ago of Sammy going off book and coining the term Usi. Yes. Because Us is, um, Tongan for like bro, basically. Um, and it's a word that's used a lot in that community. It's like homie, basically homie or brother. And, Sammy goes off books and basically says like Jay's just you know he's going through a lot right now that's why he's being so mean he's just he's just not really being very oozy and nobody knew he was going to say it the crowd starts chanting it 
all these hard Samoan guys in the ring just crack and are trying to like not bust out laughing on live television <laughs> to do their improv basically because that's what you know promos are. Yeah. And that kind of starts the warming of Jay. He still Sammy pisses him off like crazy, but he's he's starting to realize the value there. So in the most recent feud uh, started last fall, basically. Um, Sammy Zayn's OG frenemy, number one rival from Back to the Indies, the days of Kevin Steen versus El Generico, because that's oh my God. <laughs> Sammy wrestled in a Sammy wrestled in a mask as El Generico. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Rivals for best friends, rivals since forever. Kevin, now Owens, starts basically fucking with Roman, but at the same time being like, you know, Sammy, get his balls out of your mouth type of vibe. Like, um, and Roman then starts to question Sammy's loyalty. I'm going really fast here. Again, take into account, this has been told over the J stuff started three years ago. To where we are now, which even then started a few months back. So, <sighs> so Roman is questioning Sammy's loyalty. Is he really going to be able to like be there for the bloodline when his you know best friend is the one getting in their shit? And he's Roman's having a real hard time trusting Sammy. So they get to this thing that they did last Monday, the trial of Sammy Zayn, <laughs> the tribal court of Sammy Zayn. And I, I have not seen this entire this entire thing, but I've heard it's fantastic. Paul Heyman, the manager, presents all this this damning evidence showing that Sammy was actually loyal to Kevin Owens and, and would never turn his back on him, blah, blah, blah. Roman's like, you know, you got to go. This is it. This is done. Um, Sammy doesn't even defend himself. He He's like, you know, do he's basically like, do what you're going to do. Like, I can't. There's nothing I can say that's mm-hmm. going to change your mind. So do what you're going to do. Just get it over with. Um, Solo, the infersal guy, like... <laughs> It's a ridiculous move, but it looks crazy. It's called the Samoan Spike. Like, another one of their uh, uncles used to do this move, where it's basically, like, his thumb is taped up like crazy, and he just kind of, like, jabs it in your throat. Um, Yeah. Looks intense. Solo brings the arm up, and he's screaming like he's going to hit Sammy, and Jay jumps on Solo's arm. (laughs) The most consistent man at work after this episode of Raw was, like, I have seen six-star classics, and nothing got me out of my seat like Jay Uso stopping <laughs> saving Sami Zayn. Oh my god. He shows like a basically a compilation of all the things Sami has done to help the bloodline. And Roman's just kind of right. like, you know what, you're you're safe for now, but I don't want to see you until the Royal Rumble. Blah blah blah. You get to the Royal Rumble. Um Roman wins. He has Kevin Owens like handcuffed to the ropes. And he's about to smack him with a chair, turns to Sammy, hands the chair to Sammy, tells Sammy to take him out, to take out Kevin. Sammy's standing there, kind of looking apprehensive. Roman turns to him, starts berating him, starts yelling at him, you know, are you family? Are you there? I thought you were with us, blah, 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 you know, whatever. It's like, do this, you ain't shit, blah, blah, blah. Um, Roman turns his back. Sammy decks Roman with the chair and the crowd fucking explodes. <sighs> so then Jimmy Uso solo Jimmy conflicted on some like, God, like what are you doing? <laughs> now I have to kick the shit out of you. <laughs> like 
they start beating the shit out of Sammy. They tear they tear the honorary Oose shirt that they had made for him off of Sammy. Um, just pounded him into pounded him into dirt. They turn to Jay and are like, you know, help, like get in here. And Jay hesitates and then just rolls out of the ring and walks away. And it was all myth it making. Was all the people best. on. Uh, sorry, I told that story for so long, Gail. But I mean, it was all the people on Reddit today going like, "It was never Sammy's story. It's always been Jay's story." <laughs> um, he. I'm, I'm going to tell Jordan now to put in timestamps. So if you don't want to hear the, if you want to hear about wrestling, <laughs> fair enough. I'm wrapped. I was like wrapped. I was like, I was like, uh huh, uh huh, and then. <laughs> so I mean, like, like the crowd was chanting "fuck you, Roman," at the end of the night. That's insane. He was the biggest superstar they've had in the last few years, and Sami Zayn got them. Chanting "fuck you, Roman!" Like so. Yeah, and 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 well, we I mean, we said for a long time they were trying to make Roman like a hero, where he should have always been a yeah. heel, right? Like, like, and lean into that. And I think that's. I don't think he's no longer like a big superstar, but I think it it will lend him credence for being a villain. Um, and also maybe Roman wants a and break. That's <laughs> that's the other strong. Oh, I guarantee you, he does. That's uh, Roman is losing at WrestleMania. I guarantee you, he is losing at WrestleMania because and he's earned it. He has earned. A, Isn't that a weird sentiment to be like this man has he earned, has earned the right to lose and take a break? Um, I don't know how. If Cody is the chosen one to take this spot, I mean, he won the Royal Rumble. You got a lot of work to do and not as much time to make people care about Cody's place in all this as much as they care about Sammy's. And not for nothing. Maybe they get Sammy out of the way. Um, they get the Sammy business out of the way at the next pay-per-view, which is going to be in Montreal, which is Sammy's hometown. And Montreal is an insane wrestling town to begin with. So if you do Sammy versus Roman in Montreal... Plus, with the next, like, four to six weeks of just whatever the fallout from this Jay stuff is going to be, is Sammy going to get the Usos to turn on Roman, too? Like, is it Jay and, Jay and Sammy going to form a tag team? Ah. Do Kevin and Sammy form a tag team? Because the Usos, the Usos ah. are still are still the tag champs. Jay, yeah. Jay's still one of the tag champs with his brother in the bloodline, so. It could go a million ways, and, like, it's the... the just it's nice when things make people happy has <laughs> been like kind of my biggest and I'll get more to that later on but like it's just nice to see people enjoying stuff and like universally people just on Twitter being like this is the greatest storyline I've ever witnessed in my all my time as a wrestling fan and it's it's yeah, unbelievable it's, it's just cool to see people like things so <laughs> that's one of the things I watched this week Kate what'd you watch? <laughs> Um, it was a hodgepodge kind of, this time of year is sort of a lot like that. It's almost like I'm waiting for things to come out. Um, so I continue to watch the Miss Marple, but see, Miss Marple has a problem. Miss Marple has a problem. And that, it, it does, is that, and this happens with Christie novels 
um, in general, that's Agatha Christie, um, is that a lot of the time good people die. Like sometimes it's a raz on, you know, the the rich and wealthy. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, it starts out with some wealthy person dying who's horrible. Um, but then eventually some like kind, good person dies as well. It can never just be one <laughs> murder. Um, and I've just kind of been like, nah, I need some more eat the rich <laughs> content so i've taken a break on that but i did watch um a couple this week um i watched we watched bad batch it was another sort of like one-off episode it was fun but yeah um you can miss it um i watched bullet train how did you enjoy that i totally enjoyed it it was great it was funny it was action-packed it was full of Tokyo, and it was just, it was tons of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. If anybody wants, like, a fun action movie that they never have to think of again, <laughs> that is the movie for you. Brad Pitt was great in it. He was very funny. Um, a lot of the other actors were fantastic. A lot of um, guest appearances from people. Um, if anybody remembers uh, the actor who played Hero from Heroes, he popped up in it as, like, a, a, a ticket taker. <laughs> Which was amazing. Um, so yeah, random people in it. It was great. Um, and I'd wanted to see it for a while, but I finally got the chance. And then um, Vox, sorry, The Legend of Vox Machina. Weren't you anti this? Well, I think I explained it last time and that, you know, Chris kind of wanted to watch it and it's kind of fun and stupid and it's D&D content and it's it's better than watching other people play D&D. Um, but there are two insufferable characters and they happen to be twins and brother and sister and they always refer to each other as brother, sister. And it's just like, oh, it's so annoying and stupid. And of course they have some tragic backstory. Can't anyone just have like a really happy childhood? (laughs) I think all of my characters, like my main character that I've been playing for years, she has two dads. It's a very happy home. Um, like I just... Why can't anyone just have not have a tragic backstory? Anyways, it sort of, it focuses a lot on them. This, this season is sort of their season. Um, so far, the first two seasons have been centered around the two characters or the three characters, I guess, that I have the least interest in. So we'll see how it goes. There's been some fun things. It's fun to like watch it for the D&D stuff and being like, that's what this spell is. And oh shit, they must be level 10 and that kind of thing. Um, so we watched some of that. That was fun. And it's very mindless. Like, it's just fun. Um, Then, uh, as I mentioned, I have been watching a lot of YouTube. But a lot of YouTube on, like, video games and, like, the history of video games and um, uh, always cooking videos and history videos. And sometimes history cooking videos, uh, which are a lot of fun. Um, I try to watch more sort of educational content on YouTube when I'm watching. Um, makes me feel a little bit better about wasting hours <laughs> at a time. Um, and also because I finished the show and now I'm having trouble okay, dealing okay, with the fact okay, that I finished well, the show. Hold on. Hold on. I've been watching a lot of severance theory shows. <laughs> <laughs> too many. Too many. Um, and some of them are silly. Uh, one guy does a pretty good job, but... I did find out a little thing I want to talk about after we, we talk. Yes, about we will save Severance Talk until after the last thing before uh, we move to the second half. Just so if you 
still plan on watching it and don't want to know anything, you can just scrub ahead at that point until you hear the music and come back in. We will do that for you. Yes. We are. You got anything else? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right. Sorry, I'm, I was taking a sip of water because <laughs> talking a lot makes you thirsty. No, Mm-mm. nothing else. Just, you know, YouTube videos, random articles on the Mary Sue, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Weird thing that I was watching. The NHK, the uh, the Japanese PBS, puts out English language documentaries full length on their YouTube channel. I don't know why I've been sitting down repeatedly to make my way through one about the uh, the increase in uh, hikikomori mm-hmm. dying alone. Yeah. To the point where it's becoming a problem. Yeah. Uh, y'all, if you're unfamiliar with the term, hikikomori are the... Um, I was initially kind of floated as like the oh the like lost generation like you know the kids who like maybe they graduated high school and they didn't have any direction the neats as it were the not employed educated no employment education or training um, who just kind of lock themselves in their room and never come out and because their parents don't know what else to do they just kind of support them while they do this yeah because they cannot deal with uh, life essentially and. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers on how sensational a story this is. It does happen uh, quite a bit. And this documentary on the NHK was about, like, the rest of the country. Japan has a... Gray, the graying of Japan is a serious problem for the country, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And Hikikomori are going through the same issues. Especially as the parents who were supporting them are either dying or going into assisted care homes and things like that. Um, and then they don't even have the money to, there's no money coming in to like feed themselves or pay the bills. So the, the one moment where I was like, Oh my God, was they were following this kind of the social worker essentially. Yeah. Um, and she went to this one house and there was no response. And she's like, she checks the gas and doesn't seem like the gas is on the, the uh, electrical, meter isn't running and she's like well none of this is good um so she kind of writes a note and jams it into the door frame and she's like we'll know if they left or if anybody's been here if the note's gone even if it's just like fell on the ground we'll know the door's been open at least um and then there's a discussion uh amongst her and a couple other agency reps and like nobody has the jurisdiction to do anything for this person (laughs) Okay. You know, because they can't bust in without the cops. They need a reason to do that. Yeah. Um, if they don't ask for assistance, welfare, you know, the welfare office can't do anything. And that's the other kind of interesting thing that they haven't gotten to. Japan has all these services available, but nobody wants to ask for them because the whole culture is based on don't be a burden. Oh, right? man. Like. <laughs> that's like, that's, I mean, it's always complicated, but that just... So you have all these people who want to help this, you know, shut in, but they honestly reminded me of Shin Godzilla. It's like, it's like the bureaucracy is so deep. No one has the, the proper clearance to help this person, even though they all want to, especially if the person's not asking for anything. So Mm. haven't seen how that story is going to end up, but it's, it's a, it's chill hang. Uh, Oh yeah. Sounds like it's super comf. Uh, 
much more enjoyable was uh, a movie that I had kind of been looking forward to. Uh, Someone Cute was very excited for it as well. Uh, which made me excited was a movie called You People. I don't know if you saw any ads for this in your travels. It's a movie by the writer and director Kenya Barris. Um, co-written by Barris and Jonah Hill. And it is, it's basically Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. It's... Oh. Yes, I have see and Eddie Murphy and yes. yes. So um Jonah Hill and Lauren London play a young couple who fall in love and it's like, well, we need to meet our families and the parents are um Jonah Hill's parents are played by Julia Louis Dreyfus and David Duchovny and Lauren London's parents are played by Nia Long and Eddie Murphy. And it's it was just a good time. <laughs> it just nice. it was it was super fun. It's very California. Um, <laughs> so cute. And I didn't talk about this. Mike Epp- Mike Epps has a supporting role as I believe Eddie Murphy's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie Murphy's character has um, converted to Islam at some point in his life, so he goes by Akbar. Even though people who knew him before call him Woody, and <laughs> he's like, "Just call me." It's the same syllables, man. Just call me. Like my name is Akbar. Um, and obviously Eddie Murphy as the father is not, does not have the time for this white boy. Um, so when Jonah Hill wants to marry her, he calls her parents to Roscoe's chicken and waffles in LA. And Eddie Mur- I think this was in the trailer. Eddie Murphy's line is just like, do you come to the hood often or just for our food and our women? Oh, that's the, vi- that's the vibe we're dealing with. Also my one quibble, well, I won't quibble with the movie. We did not need to make podcasting as the totem for uh, delusional dreams, y'all. Hey. <laughs> we do this for fun. Joan Hill's, podca- Hill's character does a podcast with a friend and ultimately decides to leave his lucrative finance job to chase the dream of being a, <laughs> being a full-time podcaster. Oof. Oof, hey. indeed, Kate. Hey, we've been doing this for years, not left our full-time jobs. <laughs> Very sound of mind. We do this for fun and for you guys, okay? If, listen, if the nerd is still a thing, if somebody wants to get us on their network, by all means, get at us. <laughs> um, it was a fun hang, and honestly, with I'm not going to talk about it at any length, but with the with the Tyre Nichols story coming out of America this week, it was just um, nice to have some laughs and... Showing people coming to, seeing people come to mutual understandings, even though in fiction. And the level of butthurt on any people on comment threads who saw this movie and was like, this movie was terrible. They made it all about race. Motherfucker, it was called You People. Like, what did you think it was going to be about? Like, <laughs> That was the point of the movie, guys. Um, that was low the key, point of the movie. Low-key, my hero of the movie was uh, David Duchovny as Jonah Hill's father, who not only is found at one point <laughs> when... Uh, his fiance meets them for the first time. He leaves the room to talk to his mom. And when he comes back, David Duchovny as his father is playing Ordinary People by John Legend on piano. Oh my God. Uh, and he has a recurring bit where he's just fascinated with Exhibit. Oh my God. It's like, I like your braids. Exhibit had braids. <laughs> Remember him? Remember that show, Pimp, you, Pimp My Ride? The show was great. Um, yeah, fantastic. Friends, skip ahead till you hear the music. 
If you do not want to hear any more about this conversation, because Caitlin and I finished Severance shortly after yeah, we, we talked about Severance last week. Holy fuck, Kate. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, I mean, oh my God. this discussion will not capture the intensity of the... <laughs> No. The GIF parade that was flying back and forth on Messenger when Caitlin finished it, or just the <laughs> all cap screaming I was doing as I finished it before her, but... I literally was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to finish it tonight, and then we happened to get home really early, and before Chris had a second to make a plan or ask, like, say, like, he's going to go do something, I was like, we're watching Severance right now. Um, and we, yes, we did finish it. I am sure people on Reddit clocked heli early uh i'm sure i'm sure they did but i literally screamed she's a fucking egan when well that so when that i happened. i am usually pretty good at stuff like that but i thought she was a, a spy my thing was like i think because she's so determined to come back or like a journalist or something yeah like yeah, what like what could possibly be the reason why her audi is so adamant about her staying in the program it probably probably if people clocked it was probably after she saw her audi be like so derogatory to her any like Mm. you are not a person like that's probably when people clocked it i thought she was acting that way because she was like i need to get this information or, or something she was on her own vendetta or something like that and she kind of was in a way but i didn't clock her as an egan chris at the end of episode two, where they were showing what the Audis were doing, there's a quick flash of her, like, is there? And it's a quick flash of her, um, like drinking champagne, mm. and he's like, "Oh my god, she's corporate!" And I didn't catch it. I was just like, I was just like so blown away by everything that was happening. Um, I was like, "Oh!" And then when the, it, she, we found out she was an Egan, we were both like, "Oh my god!" So yeah, there's that. <laughs> this is one thing. Um, is the wife alive or is she like a clone? Wait, who knows? I or, or was it all a setup? Why is what's her name so invested in? Mark I still and don't her... get that. And what is like? What's the game? I mean, you talk about season two. Like, what's the game for her now? The sister knows. Yeah, she Other can't keep up know. that. She can't keep up that ruse anymore. What's Miss, the happen? Mrs. Selvig thing? Can't happen anymore. There's so many questions. And then I did find out something which I'm kind of disappointed in only because it's giving me uh, lost vibes. Mm. The goat room. Apparently, it was just a weird throwaway scene that the writers didn't have a reason for. Oh, no. Now. This is going to be that. Is this going to be that thing where Reddit has better ideas than the actual show comes up with? I don't need possibly. that. <laughs> um, now, it could. That could. I. I I've heard that through different sources. That could just be the writer saying they didn't know or someone them being like, we're not sure. And they really had a good idea the whole time. Like, I don't know for sure. Um, I mean, my idea was always that the goats were being used for satanic rituals, which seems to make a lot of sense. Um, um, the, but- Reddit, the Reddit theory is that they are clones because Lumen's ultimate goal is to bring Kier back. And that's what Severance, Severance is... First steps toward consciousness transfer. Which, which, fine. Okay. Um, and that's all, all good and dandy. And then... Um, <laughs> Kate's throwing it all on Satan. Well, I know it's just that that's fine. It's just... and and Or Satan would be fine. I don't... I sort of don't care as long as they have 
an idea of what they want to do and they don't leave huge plot threads hanging. That's, I just want it to be tied, things tied up. It didn't even have to be in a nice bundle. I just want them to be tied up in a bundle. Get your, get your twine out. Let's do this. It doesn't need to be a bow. I mean, um, it's funny. Like we talked, we talked last week about the Netflix thing and, you know, kind of getting the, sometimes getting the rug pulled out on whether or not you're going to get a chance to tell your story, finish your story or whatever. This seems like the, the hand was tipped very much to the creators that like you will get the chance to tell that last episode highly suggests they were assured strongly that they would get a chance to tell their whole story. Um, Yes. Yes. And I, I hope that they do. And I hope that they do have a plan and I hope that they're strong enough writers to, to, to pull it off, to come up with some great ideas. And I just Um, all salute to the pacing of that episode. Like the fact that, Oh my God. I did not think I thought Dylan was getting tackled before anything of consequence was going to happen. Yeah. But no, you had enough time for any Mark to convince, you know, to convince his sister that that's what was happening and to relay enough to her that she could then talk to Audi Mark with what she knows. You had Helly go off <laughs> at the, yeah. uh, at the event. Um, uh, Irv kind of blew a shot, but, well, that, well, that's, but the heart, the heart see, wants what it wants. The, no, the reason I realized he had gone there is because he doesn't know anyone. Right. He doesn't have a family. There is no one, it seems, to easily in his life. <clears throat> and yeah, I think it was the heart what's, wants what it wants. There is a couple theories that I'm really interesting, interested to see if they like pan out. Because um, when I heard them, I was like, oh yeah, that, that's actually really really an interesting theory as opposed to just like weird stuff that people come up with. Um, I'm like, people just write your own show. <laughs> Don't get <laughs> angry at the, at the, the show other people write. Um, and that the, the, the other part of that pacing was I never thought a party could be so anxiety inducing. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, Caitlin, yes, you do know that parties are anxiety. <laughs> you, that. you you live it. Um, but just the, the mix of, of, again, of that balance of like absurdity and anxiety and comedy, um, is just amazing that the fact that at that party, Mark is trying to talk to his sister, but of course she's busy with the baby and they're doing this book reading so he's trying to find time to talk with her and then, um, you know, uh, also though starstruck because of course this book right. meant so right. much to him <laughs> and like asking his brother-in-law if they're friends because he's like so, so starstruck and like being like this book literally changed my life. Um, and then also just the, you know the absurdity of the whole thing and it just it was it was just such a good I went back and watched it again not the whole episode but I just I watched the end again because Adam Scott screaming she's alive at the last possible second before the camera does that perspective shift and you hear the boom and you know it's done like yeah and I want to know like how are they gonna how are they gonna cover this up how are they gonna like, I just, I'm so curious about what's going to happen second season that 
it's hard for me to like not think about. I'm like, how are they going to do this? And and does it matter what Helly said because everyone there was corporate? Or will some people come away being convinced that it's wrong? Like, I, I just don't know. Is Dylan ever going to see his kids again? Like, like, I just, I'm so... Also, Dylan is, I'm sorry, MVP. Like, he really oh, came, my really, God. really came through in the fourth quarter. What? Oh, that, when he, when you, they unveil what the statue is, the little glass engraving. Mm. I was like, <laughs> I was like, don't you kill him. I swear to God. Um, yeah, it was just, I, it, I can't get over how good it was. Watch Severance, y'all. Yeah. And I, the other thing is the only, the only reason it's not a 10, it's no fault of the, sh- it's not a fault of the show. It's the fact that it's on Apple TV and nobody has seen it that I know. <laughs> and I'm having to tell people to watch it. And I have no one to discuss these things with except for Jordan and Chris. Because those are the only two people I know who've seen it. Well, friends. I don't know how beefy an episode this has turned into what with all that wrestling talk. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll liberally apply to scalpel by the time you uh, hear this episode. But when we come back, we will talk about... Well, maybe a very interesting conversation. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear what Jordan has to say. <laughs> but we will talk about something I did not even know was coming until very recently. And then when the third episode dropped, I said, well, we should probably probably give it a looky-loo. So uh, Jordan and Kate are going to throw on their weeb hats and we're going to talk about Trigun Stampede when we come back from this break. Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought each other. As Jordan said, we, Jordan has brought Trigun or Trigun Stampede. Um, and we will get into it. But before we do, we have some rules. The first rule being the rule of three. If the thing has three parts or three episodes, we will watch, absorb those three parts so that the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become. I think that's especially important when something is rehashing something, it's redoing something, it's re what do they call it? Restarting, re, re, remaking, remaking, retelling. Uh, retelling, we'll get into that. Um the second rule is hashtag #save it for the pod. That's the rule that as much as you want to yell at Jordan about something or vice versa, you don't. Because we want to save the hottest, freshest of takes for you guys, our lovely listeners. Um, this is actually pretty fresh, so it actually applies this time. Very fresh. Third episode dropped like two days ago. Yeah. Uh, which we're never this fresh, so it's actually kind of nice. I feel so young and youthful. Third rule isn't a rule. It's a policy is that there will be spoilers. This is a very pro-spoiler podcast. So if you haven't seen... Try Gun Stampede, and you're waiting to watch it, you need to go do that because we're going to probably talk about all kinds of things. And we're also going to talk about old Try Guns. So if you haven't seen that, you probably should do that first. You basically, <laughs> you have a long laundry list of things to do before listening to the second half of this podcast. So adieu to ya and ya and ya. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> um, so what's kind of 
hard to suss out the entry point here because it doesn't uh, doesn't make it easy. Um, because this gets folded into the other things. Basically, we're talking about Trigon as a whole here. Trigon was a uh, manga that had started in April 95 and ran for two years. It was by a guy named Yasuhiro Naitao, who also did Kegai Sensen or Blood Blockade Battlefront, uh, which is a show I also greatly enjoy. And it was made into an anime in 1998, uh, which ran for 26 episodes. The OG Trigon anime, well regarded by me, has come up on this show multiple times as being, I believe, the only anime Kate Caitlin McKinnon ever owned. Um, no, I I had another one that was like a, like just a slice of life one, mm. uh, that was cute, and I I still do a thing from it. Um, one of the girls is, is not very, she's very much, very vapid, very sweet. And she has trouble like, you know, breaking her chopsticks (laughs) and she does this thing where she like concentrates very hard and gets excited when she's broken them properly. I still do this because I think it's hilarious. Um, but Trigun, yes, is the only one I think that I, I owned, I think it must've been the full thing of, must've been all 26 episodes. So... Trigun has now had a remake started in the tradition of Sailor Moon Crystal called Trigun Stampede. And folks have had online chatter has had problems with the fact that this is basically a CGI anime done by a studio called Orange. Um, It's all CGI, basically. Cel-shaded CGI. And... Uh, Orange was kind of best known. They had a show called, they adapted a manga called Land of the Lustrous uh, a few years back, which got some shine. This is maybe one of their bigger marquee titles. Um, Oddly enough, my beef is not with the animation style, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, What is the plot of Trigun? In the 32nd century, a man known as Vash the Stampede has earned a bounty of 60 billion double dollars on his head and the nickname of the Humanoid Typhoon. Goddamn. Just takes me back. Yeah. Uh, after he accidentally destroys the city with his supernatural powers. However, whenever he's attacked, Vash displays a pacifist personality, as noted by two Bernadelli Insurance Society employees, Meryl Strife and Millie Thompson, who follow him around in order to minimize the damages inevitably caused by his appearance. Most of the damage attributed to Vash is actually caused by bounty hunters in pursuit of the bounty on Vash's head. However, he cannot remember... Uh, the incident the bounty was placed on him for due to retrograde amnesia. Uh, throughout his travels, Vash tries to save lives using non-lethal force, occasionally joined by a priest, Nicholas D. Wolfwood, all-time god-tier psychic, anime psychic, who, like Vash, is a superb gunfighter with a mysterious past. As the series progresses, more about Vash's past and the history of human civilization on the planet Gunsmoke is revealed. So that's the plot. And Trigun Stampede is essentially telling... A version of that story? I guess. <laughs> Correct. Kate? Yeah. Kate. Yeah. Kate. Mm-hmm. Let's just start here. Okay. If you were going to compare the tone of these two shows, all you, you, you look no further than the theme songs. Y'all, here is the theme song 
to the 90s Trigun. Okay, we good? We got a sense there? Yeah. What that vibe's like? Yeah. Here is the opening theme to Trigun Stampede. What kind of fucking somber-ass, morose, emo, sad boy bullshit are you bringing to my life? What have they done to this, Caitlin? So, my... One of my favorite uncles, who unfortunately passed away a long time ago, used to make a joke about how he liked his tea. (laughs) Um, And... He'd say, you know, most people, you know, because I, I always leave my tea bag in. So it's my dad. He's like, you know, and he was he's Scottish uncle. He's like, you know, most people uh, uh, leave their tea bag in. He's like, and I was like, what about you? He's like, I just like to wave my tea bag above the cup. And this is what I feel they did with, <laughs> with just Trigun. Wave, they just waved Trigun above the cup. They just waved like an essence. Like a little, like a, a, a whiff of a Trigun in this show. Like, I, there are elements that there, I like. There's a, there's a guy named Vash the Stampede. <laughs> there's a guy named Vash the Stampede. For some reason, one of the best female duos in any anime is nowhere to be found. Oh, but now you have a surly guy who's so jaded at the world walking around named Roberto De Niro. <laughs> Which is great. Um, there are characters that get, pair up with Vash in the like second episode that didn't appear to like the seventh or eighth episode originally. That's, that's the hardest. Oh my god! You know okay. what it is? So- the first episode. Very the first episode. Like this was. I'm gonna just say this was extremely hard for me to get through, which is not a good sign from the outset. But what was really weird was it i was like i was like oh is this is this like some limited series like are they doing like six episodes i i assume i mean i'm assuming 12 but i'm assuming it's a 12 but even still i was like is it a limited series are they only doing like four or six episodes and it's supposed to be like a super long movie and because the first episode was like Someone sent me through the Willy Wonka crazy psychedelic tunnel where they go too fast. And I was like, what? All the story, all of the story of 26 episodes was like being shoved into the first episode. And and it it wasn't even just that it was shoved. It was just like exposited. It was just like jaded reporter goes, what are you afraid of? And he literally and is like, lays the whole shit out. This is what, my brother knives, and I was like, "What?" Um, there was because even though at the very they didn't do this in the original, right? They they it was a long arc of like finding more and more out, and you get more and more invested. Knives in was like the name you didn't. He was like, uh, "This is not my comparison." He was fucking Voldemort. Like you just you didn't. Yeah, he was. But he didn't appear until two thirds through the series. Even though they, at the very beginning of the episode, set up the twins and Vat and like set this all up, I was like, 
when you see Vash again, he's an adult. And I was like, oh, they're kind of set up, but you don't know where his brother has gone. So it's going to be this thing that they build up where you don't know what happened and he doesn't know what happened. No, no. No, we know what we know what happened. He's over wearing some weird ass cloak playing an organ in the middle of an abandoned church, which is just. <laughs> well, I was like, no, the best. The thing I thought was, oh, he brought his own villain music. How nice of him. <laughs> he's super prepared. I just, I, I don't mind people redoing things. I don't. And I don't think that they had to do a, a shot for shot remake. I just wanted it to be Kate, good there's, storytelling. There's just no joy here. I, I went back, you know, due diligence. I went back. I, I did not have a hard time getting through this. I think maybe because I hadn't done this until after the fact I, I watched, all, I may now, I went through all three currently available episodes of Stampede, and there are flashes there. In the first episode, when the guy from the military police is like, we're going to have a duel, whatever, and he keeps cheating, and he <laughs> sets I'm, off some some scatter cl- missile thing to destroy, the, there, yeah. Yeah, to destroy the town, whatever, and he goes to shoot Vash, and Vash does the, like... Slick like dodges every bullet and then just like grabs him and goes like that's enough. I'm like okay, yeah. Um, Show me some shit. You saved it. And I think when you when the whole town was like was like well we need that money. Sorry Vash. And the whole town goes after him and he's like fleeing through the town. That had a flash of it. But Kate, I swear to God, I'm here to tell you. I'm like due diligence. I got to go back and watch the first episode of '90s Trigun just just for comparison because it's the only one that I have never revisited. To be honest. All, all of my, like, pillar 90s, I watched Bebop a shitload of times. I've rewatched Escaflone. I've rewatched Nadesco. Like, all of my, like, 90s pillars from that era. Trigun's the only one I never went back to. Um, and this is a guy who had, like, multiple Trigun action figures, like, so, <laughs> on his shelf of so his childhood home. I was explaining to senior correspondent Chris why I liked Trigun. And again, I was not a huge weeb back in the day. I loved Sailor Moon. Love some other things, but really didn't have a lot of experience. I came late to anime and stuff. Um, and I love Trigun because unlike a lot of animes where it was like silly all the time and you kind of go like, oh my God, please stop. Um, there was this weird balance and there's a scene, it's like from one of the first or really early episodes and it's where all the, the, I can't remember if it's military or just like a gang going after Vash. They like shoot down the entire wall and everything. And he's just behind a door sitting at like a cafe and he, <laughs> yes. or like has a coffee and like looks over and like pulls his gun out and then it changes scenes and you're like, oh shit, shit's about to go down. And then you later on, he's like popping out of a sand dune because he forgot the bullets in his gun. Like, <laughs> and then you just get his crazed ex- expression. And there was just this balance of just like absurdity and the literal. Like, I think it was was it Millie who was like, I don't actually think this guy is Vash the Stampede. Like, I don't think this is the guy we're after because he's such Meryl. a whore. It was Meryl. Meryl, <laughs> Meryl is the one character who carries over and in, bo- and in both uh, in both 90s and Stamp- in both OG and Stampede, she's the one who's like... See, again, that's the thing. In the 90s, she's like exasperated. Yeah. 
And in Stampede, she's an asshole. <laughs> she's an asshole, and she, but she flips back and forth to being like in awe and also, yeah. But she just literally, I think it was for like episodes. She was like, I really don't think this is the guy. <laughs> like she just, because he's such a moron, but then would have these flashes of brilliance and like being, you, you know, why he was called the humanoid typhoon and like... You just, you got this sense of like, oh, no, he can be really dangerous and you never knew if he was putting it on or not or what was going on. For me, it was just this moment in the first episode where, like, the point of what I was saying before is like, I got through the three episodes for this discussion of Stampede. And then for due diligence, I was like, I got to watch the first episode of 90s and then watched five episodes of 90s. Right. Because they just went down so easy and they were fun and just like the moment where like he's fleeing from that gang in the first episode and then he sneaks up <laughs> he thinks he's the guy the gunman thinks he's shooting at vash but vash has snuck up behind him and has a very serious face and is slowly making the guy draw vash <laughs> with his bullet yes. holes it's so <laughs> stupid but i started cackling like because it's so dumb and that's that's honestly the same energy that's night out that's the same energy that blood blockade has you know yes. like um that kind of hyper freewheeling bat shitness like that's what endeared trigun to me like it this this ain't that and i like it doesn't want to be that okay that's fine it clearly doesn't like you when you have knives literally dismembering people on the regs throughout that third episode yeah and children I'm like, dying like. yeah i'm like okay so this is what this show is now which is fine except go one way or the other like they tried like you said that first episode there were flashes and then they just slowly abandoned the joy as it went along. And so when there was weird over the top sections, it did not fit into the rest of what they were doing. Even the promo art is like, it says like, you know, ready, steady, roll. And it's like Vash and Wolfwood, like jumping through the air with like the gangly arm look type of thing. And it's yeah. like, that is not what I've gotten from these three episodes. Like, no. um, and yeah, tonally it's just, it was just sad. And um, and I mean, maybe man, I, it seems like, you know, we can't do the storytelling of the 90s because, you know, it's a different audience now type of thing. When you got the fucking like three of the gung ho guns show up in one episode, yeah. I understand in the OG one, it was like this was now the gauntlet he had to run before he could get to knives. And every episode he faced a new gung ho gun guns. That's very that's very Sailor Moon. That's very early, mm -hmm. early 90s serialized anime storytelling. But like literally. Three episodes take place in one town, and 9,000 things happen in this one town. Yes. Oh, my God. In, in a single day. like. And, yeah. And so, there, it's just, this is what I mean. It was just way too much for those episodes to contain. And <clears throat> I understand, again, that they wanted to redo the story and tell it differently, and I am all for that. But it has to be well done. You can't just use bits and pieces and then, you know dr frankenstein it together and be like this is a property that was really popular and our art is fucking amazing equals really good show yeah 
And the art so, is amazing. Yeah. If it was another show, I'd be like, the art's amazing. I can't wait for the next episode. I, I mean, like, yeah, this is why I think it's funny that so much of the criticism has to do with, like, oh, CGI anime looks terrible, like, blah, blah, blah. It's not the art or the animation yeah. I have a beef with. It's the storytelling. Like, yeah. Also, there is not enough glass flash from his glasses. <laughs> not enough glass flash. You're going to tell me Meryl doesn't have the cape full of single shot Derringers anymore? Like, come on. Like, it was the stupid shit like that. Yeah. That made the ridiculous weapons. Like, Wolfwood is still going to show up with a cross with a machine gun in it. Like, <laughs> dope. Yeah. One of the figures I had was a Wolfwood figure, Japanese Wolfwood figure with insane levels of articulation and that giant cross. And <laughs> you could, like, get him to, like, sling it over his shoulder with a pistol in his other hand. It was so badass. <laughs> And but, just, like, and how do you do that on this show when, like, the arms are flying off and people are exploding into pools of blood? Like, what? That's... Da, da, da. And where's Millie? Where is Millie? Like, I... It was... Millie's Roberto. I, I looked it up. Millie's not in the show. Mm-hmm. They changed They changed Meryl to a reporter instead of an insurance investigator. Which, which is was much better. A better bit. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> and Millie with her giant uh, <laughs> Gatling gun of, like... Non-lethal restraints, <laughs> those T-bars that would just like knock people unconscious. Um, like it was, it was the dumb shit also, like that. Even this sounds silly. It's just a minor complaint, but <clears throat> there were a lot of women in Trigun. I know it was about Vash the Stampede, and there were yeah lots of male characters, but there were also lots of female characters, and also Vash was always falling in love with someone. Um, which, was, which, which I which I forgot about until I yeah. watched which the, was the, these early amazing. episodes and being a creep, <laughs> women being like, "Ew, you're being a creep. Get away from me." Um, but I loved Meryl and Millie. Like they were the first sort of like duo that didn't have a, a dude, right? Like it's, it's the anime could pass the Bechdel test. Oh, maybe they talked about Vash a lot, but I mean, yes, they did. Nobody was nobody was in love. None of them were in love with Vash. Like, it was totally like they became like legit friends. Um, yeah. Through the course of the show, so I don't know. I, Mike, I know my curiosity will get the better of me, and I will probably stick with this show just to just to see what it does. And obviously, to do our favorite pastime, complain, you know, jo- complain, or I thought the other pastime was Jordan keeps updates Caitlin on things she's no longer watching. Oh yeah. <laughs> So, y'all, that's on Crunchyroll. It's like a six for me. I think it's a, I think, I think it's a, like a four or five for me because I literally stopped it. These episodes are not long. They are regular anime episodes. <laughs> like, I stopped it so many times because I just didn't want to watch it anymore. I was just so frustrated. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think this is the rose colored glasses of like me loving the way things used to be. No, if, if, I, I barely remember Trigun. Like I remember, like I, like I said, it was one of the animes I watched, but I haven't watched, rewatched it. Like I just remember my sense of fun and joy and laughing at the absurdity. And there's none of that. Like, Hey, listen, if you have never seen OG nineties Trigun and you've watched these three episodes of Stampede Watch the first episode of the old one, and if you're like, this is lame, and it's stupid, and it's too wacky, and I can't take it seriously, and it's not realistic enough, okay, well, you know, fair fair play. Not everything has to be for everybody, but I am hard-pressed to think that the utter joylessness of this show is 
could be viewed as being better or an improvement on what was already there. Yeah. Well, fun chat, y'all. <laughs> And meanwhile, I was like, oh, maybe he's giving it to me because it's super amazing. And then as I'm watching, I'm like, it is not. <laughs> it is the opposite. It is. It is. <laughs> what is this sad fucking One tear rolling voice? down my cheek. Seriously. The whole opening credits, he's like running and melting away through something. Oh, the struggle. You'll never know Vash's struggle. God. The point is he... Didn't let his struggles define him. And he was That's always made him who trying he was. to be a good person and trying to save people. <sighs> anyway, that's on Crunchyroll. I, we, we're so, this. you know what? You're so defeated by this. We're both going to eat snacks. I am disappointed. Friends, if you have uh, contrary views, conflicting views, if you'd like to argue in favor of Trigon Stampede, by all means, take your shot over on Twitter.com. Get up off Twitter. We'll entertain all discussion over there. You will probably not change any minds, but, I mean, we're happy to hear your points. Other than that, friends, I hope Caitlin brings me something more enjoyable <laughs> next week. I, well, I've really got to I gotta like get out of my funk, go drink some hot chocolate, um, and, like, <laughs> really think about something that has brought me joy and it, that's not Cupcake and Dino. Um, <laughs> oh, God. We already talked about it. No, no take backs on Cupcake and Dino. We already talked about it. Um, so, yeah. Well, whatever it is, I'm excited to find out. And I hope you will join us for it. Friends, thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Creating a shank? What is wrong with yes. you? I gotta be prepared for everything, Kate. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I gotta sharpen toothbrush in my medicine cabinet <laughs> just in case.